Saturday Night Live will be back in time for election season, and they're bringing in some big guns for Joe Biden. Also, uh, John MacArthur will continue to hold in-person church services. Uh, I'll tell you why that's not such a great idea. And the CDC has released some troubling new stats about COVID-19. That's all ahead. This is Relevant Daily. It's relevant. It's relevant daily. Relevant daily. Relevant daily. It's relevant daily. Hey everyone, I'm Tyler Huckabee. Welcome to The Relevant Daily, where I bring you what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. All the stories are coming up right now. First up, SNL will be back for election season and will continue its recent trend of recruiting some star power to parody notable media figures. Alec Baldwin will stay on as President Trump, as you probably guessed. And yes, Maya Rudolph will be on hand to play Senator Kamala Harris. And for the Democratic nominee, none other than Jim Carrey will be headed up to Studio 8H to suit up to play Joe Biden, the man who could be headed back to the White House come 2021. Uh, Lauren Michaels had an interview with Vulture. Lauren obviously is in charge of SNL. He said, quote, there was some interest on Carrey's part. And then we responded positively, but it came down to discussions about what the take was. He and Colin Jost had a bunch of talks. He and I as well. He will give the part energy and strength and hopefully it's funny. Uh, hopefully, indeed. The show will return with a live studio audience on October 3rd. And Michaels told Vulture they'd be working with New York Governor Andrew Cuomo in an attempt to keep things safe at Rockefeller Plaza. The schedule will be aggressive by SNL standards. Five shows in a row between the season premiere on October 3rd and the election itself, and potentially a few more after the election as well, depending on how things shake out there. SNL is also bringing on three new cast members. A Citizens Brigade alum Lauren Holt, a comedian and writer named Punky Johnson, and longtime SNL staff writer Andrew Dismukes. It's interesting to see how few of SNL's big attention-grabbing roles are being given to in-house talent these days. Uh, we're long gone, really, is the era of like Will Ferrell playing George W. Bush or Daryl Hammond and his Clinton or obviously Tina Fey as Sarah Palin. It's understandable. I get why they would want to grab a few more eyeballs with a splashy celebrity cameo, but it also kind of gets in the way of some of the show's old chaotic energy, like... Will Ferrell didn't really look or even sound much like W. Bush, but the show turned that bug into a feature and created a folksy sort of dim-winded parody of the then-president who didn't have much in common with the real thing, but was very entertaining on his own. And that's the sort of creative verve that created some iconic SNL characters of the past. Jim Carroll will do a great job. He's undoubtedly will be able to pull a similar trick, uh, but it's a shame that SNL's fresh talent isn't being given more opportunities to shine. In other news, California pastor and theologian John MacArthur took to Fox News' The Ingram Angle to make it clear that he plans to continue holding pandemic-era indoor church services in defiance of local restrictions, telling Laura Graham that he is willing to go to jail over it after a Los Angeles County judge upheld local health guidelines prohibiting large indoor gatherings. So under the rules, California churches are allowed to meet in an outdoor capacity, and many churches have found ways to adapt to the pandemic-era guidelines, but MacArthur insists that Grace Community Church needs to meet meet indoors given the size of its congregation. He says, quote, we're not concerned about the flu. We're concerned about eternity, eternal life, salvation, and the more dire circumstances become in the world around us, the more critical, the more essential the church becomes, and the more important the gospel becomes. MacArthur says he has personally spoken with President Donald Trump, who encouraged him to continue meeting in defiance of local laws. 
Uh, he said, quote, we received a letter with the threat that we could be fined or I could go to jail for a maximum of six months. My biblical hero, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, is the Apostle Paul. And when he went into a town, he didn't ask what the hotel was like. He asked what the jail was like because he knew that's where he was going to spend his time. So I don't mind being a little apostolic. He said, if they want to tuck me into jail, I'm open to a jail ministry. I've done a lot of other ministries and haven't had the opportunity to do that one. So bring it on. In the New York Times, MacArthur's fellow California pastor, Alan Cross, urged his colleagues to remain patient as the country struggles to get the virus under control. He wrote, while gathering together for Sunday worship is a major part of what the church does, it isn't all that the church is. Perhaps following Jesus in these days looks a bit different from what it did a few months ago. So just to reiterate here, it's not that California is banning churches from meeting. That's not the case. Uh, the church is, in a way, maybe banning mega churches or, or what the church has become given the size of everything lately. But, uh, but there are still ways around that. And lots of churches have found creative solutions to continue to meet as a church uh, while following local guidelines and while keeping their congregants safe. And uh, it is unfortunate that John MacArthur has not been able to do that himself. In final news, a sobering report from the CDC. As you've probably heard, the coronavirus is far less dangerous for young people than it is for elderly folks, but less danger isn't the same as no danger. And in a few cases, children and teenagers have died from COVID-19 complications. According to the CDC, only about 0.03% of coronavirus cases in people under 21 have been fatal so far. That comes out to about 121 young Americans, okay? And of those, almost all of them have been black or Hispanic. Uh, just a few names here. It was Christopher Hansen. He was just five years old when he died of complications from COVID-19. He lived in the Bronx. 17-year-old uh, Jamila Diron Imoni Barber was fretting over an unfinished school project when she passed away from complications from the disease. Uh, Kimona Lyon, she was nine years old. She had no pre-existing conditions uh, that would have made her more vulnerable to a severe case of the virus, but she did pass away from COVID-19. Those are just three kids who passed away. They were, uh, these three were all black. 35 uh, black kids so far in the States have died from coronavirus complications. 54 Hispanic children have also died. And just 17 of the kids and teenagers who died from COVID-19 have been white. In other words, while white kids make up about 50% of children in the country, they've only made up about 14% of childhood COVID-19 deaths. Dr. Uche Blackstock is the founder of Advancing Health Equity. She said the data is horrifying, but not surprising. Where you see marginalization and disadvantage, you're going to find coronavirus. Uh, this data is consistent with the extra risk COVID-19 statistically carries, for black and Hispanic communities of all ages in the U.S. There are a number of reasons racial minorities are disproportionately represented among the COVID-19 death toll, including a systemic lack of access to quality health care and the simple fact that adults of color are more likely to be essential workers, so they have an increased risk of getting exposed to the virus while on the job. As Blackstock said, quote, not just for lack of access to food, but lack of access to green space, lack of access even to health care and regular preventative care that could prevent worsening of the chronic conditions. Children don't go untouched when we're talking about marginalization and disadvantage. So that is a reminder to everybody 
to continue to stay inside, observe social distancing guidelines. The life you save may not necessarily be your own, but it's still a very, very good thing. You can read more about this study and everything else we're covering today over at the homepage of relevantmagazine.com. Also, for the latest, make sure to follow Relevant on social media. We're on Twitter at Relevant, Facebook and Instagram at Relevant Magazine. You can subscribe to our other podcasts there as well. I'm here every weekday bringing you the latest at the intersection of faith and culture. Thank you for listening, everyone. This is Relevant Daily. Thank you.